Welcome to the Fine Sisterhood Podcast, Unspoken Truth, where we shine a light on the beautiful messiness of life. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is Anna and Teresa uh, from the Fine Sisterhood team, and we are here today with the famous Justin Cross. She's a mistress and the owner of Dungeon East and West here in LA. Hi, Justine. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. So, can you tell us what the Dungeon East and West, West is? Yes. Uh, well, they are private uh, dungeon spaces here in Los Angeles. So, basically, they are spaces that you can rent out 24-7 by the hour overnight. You have uh, exclusive access to the entire space, and that is also inclusive of all the toys, furniture, cleaning, and safety supplies. So, if you want to rent it for a couple of hours and have some fun or even an overnight or even a party you can use that space as your own little private dungeon wow okay i didn't know that existed me either <laughs> so surprised yeah yes. i'm like we need to go oh, you, you should not, come yes. we're having not parties. together though, I <laughs> no <laughs> not with our co-workers no <laughs> Um, what kind of toys, though, if I can ask? Because oh, yeah, I'm sure. sure everyone is curious right now. <laughs> yeah, I should have brought some stuff. Yeah, um, so toys would be things like um, paddles or whips, um, different kinds of, those are sort of more like impact toys, like a, a crop or a cane um, and other things like bondage equipment. So it would be like cuffs and collars, rope, things like that. Oh, that's so mm -hmm. fascinating. Okay, so if someone wants to try out BDSM mm -hmm. would yep. that be that yeah yes they could come and like actually use the toys you don't actually have mm -hmm. to purchase them you can just test mm -hmm. them out there do couples come or is it more um, more like um, for um, fetish parties or how how can I picture that is it something oh, that mm -hmm. like um, you can go there with your partner for like an, a night to experiment mm -hmm. yeah definitely I mean it depends on what you want to do there definitely a lot of couples are coming to be there for an overnight or for a couple of hours you you know you're welcome to bring your own things but you don't have to because i have a fully stocked dungeon <laughs> of all the things that are there all the things you didn't even know you wanted it's there um but then of course if you're seeing another professional there then you know you're having experience with that person but there's also some people who throw parties there i throw a couple of parties there so then that's another way to experience the equipment and things that we do in the dungeon Okay. How about couples wanting to have that experience together with a dominatrix? Is that mm -hmm. common? Yeah, that's very common. And that's something that I see a lot of couples for either some people are very new to it or um, there's one person in the couple that's very experienced and the other person is very new. So they're trying to figure out how to sort of get on the same level or bring someone who the, who's the newbie like a little bit more up to speed. Or sometimes it's like a couple who they're like, we've been doing this for 20 years. We just want you to come in and like spice up our marriage. And that's always really fun because then people are coming in with like a lot of very elaborate fantasies and ideas. And I get to like come in and, and do something else fun with them. That's cool. That's <laughs> very cool. <laughs> so um, I uh, really liked it when we were sending emails, you and Maria. Um, you said that you think it's very empowering for women, mm -hmm. the whole PDSM mm -hmm. space, and it can be you know, very powerful for us. Mm -hmm. um, do you mind sharing a little bit 
Uh, yeah. How you see that? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think anytime that you can express your sexuality, anytime you can enact your fantasies, that's very powerful. For me, I identify solely as a, a mistress or a top or as a dominant. So I'm uh, in, in control in a certain kind of way. So, um, But I also think it's very empowering if you're exploring your submissive side, if you want to be in bondage, if you want someone to hurt you, if you want someone to dominate over you. Any of these things that you're doing, it's very empowering. And, you know, a lot of women are not... Um, you know, out there in like the world, like they might get like catcalled or like they're with like these, you know, terrible male bosses or something. So they're not feeling very empowered in that state. So this is like a way to, to actualize that and experience a fantasy that can be very empowering, however you're experiencing that. So owning your sexuality. And how do you um, start doing BDSM if you've never done it before? Like uh, if you have a partner, mm -hmm. how do you introduce this idea? And if they are not into it, how do you um, not make them be into it? Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But do it. Exactly. <laughs> no, but like explain that, um, you know, it's something normal and mm -hmm. it's not actually hurting or anything. It's just mm -hmm. like everyone has its boundaries mm -hmm. and no boundaries would be... Yeah, yeah I, I, that's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of people are probably already doing some form of BDSM, whether they call it that or not. Like if there's any kind of role play or any kind of like, uh, you know, worshiping a body part like a foot worship or if you want to wear a certain kind of clothing item, that's already in the umbrella of BDSM. So um, it can be very scary for people because a lot of people just think this like latex gimp and like a trunk and it's like it's not just that or just like, you know, uh, painful and it's not that. So I think that a good starting off conversation is hopefully you already have like a good basis with your partner about like communication and that you know that your partner wants to please you and stuff like that. So um, there's one thing I always recommend to people. It's called the Concise Kink Worksheet um, and you can find that online. You can also go to Pleasure Trust and find like a sort of um, like a starting off like little like kind of card so you can sort of talk about like, oh, these are things that excite me. This is why this excites me. This is what I get out of it. And it's a good jumping off point to start talking about those things and I think that something really important when you're discussing these things is to do something I call like you know throw sparkle not shade so it's like it might not be something you're interested in but to try not to shame someone like don't kink shame someone for something that they want to do it might not be like your jam <laughs> but like it's something that you might want to be you might be able to do for your partner and just kind of explore and you know you can always explore very slowly you can go to classes um, I teach classes at my space um, and, and doing things like that but just starting the conversation slowly and carefully and, and just understanding that everyone is coming from a different experience level and has different fantasies and that doesn't mean that they're as long as they're not illegal or, or abhorrently evil <laughs> like they're probably fine you know okay uh, how does a bdsm class works yeah, okay. Well, I do a few different ones. Like, so I do a BDSM 101 class, which would be really good for people starting out. And I just kind of give people the, the basics of what BDSM is. We also teach classes about bondage. So that would be that particular class is about rope. So different ways to safely tie someone. Um, we also do classes like for impact play and flogging. So that's with like the whip. Um, we also just had a class that's, we have some other classes that are a little bit more advanced, like needle play or breath play. I, I actually have a, a registered nurse teach those. Um, so, but there's a lot of different kinds of classes. So usually there's some
some demo and some lecture involved in, in trying things out safely, but at least it's a space where you can ask the professional and at least know what are the dangerous things and what not to do. Okay. So one of the things that I see a lot posted on Fine Sisterhood is women saying, I want to be submissive. Mm -hmm. I want my partner to choke me. Mm -hmm. I want my partner to pull my hair, mm -hmm. uh, spank me. Mm -hmm. um, at, at the same time, they feel bad about it, e not mm -hmm. even like towards a partner, but for themselves. Because mm -hmm. they want to be, they're a strong woman and they're like, what's yeah. wrong with me? Why do I like that? Women are getting yeah. raped out there. They might yeah. even be survivors mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, but it really turns me on, the thought of someone choking me and mm -hmm. someone pulling my hair. Yeah. Um, so I just, from mm -hmm. like looking at the data in the app, mm -hmm. I'm like, it seems to be a very, very common thing. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, it's very common. And, and I just want to say that uh, we'll put choking aside for now for a moment because that can get into breath play and that can be potentially dangerous. But everything else like <laughs> spanking and like hair pulling, like it has nothing to do the the. The fantasy of violence has nothing to do with the violence that happens outside of the bedroom because you're consenting to this violence. You're talking to your partner and saying, hey, I really would love for you to pull my hair when we're having sex. That's really sexy to me. That turns me on. And that, and you're consenting to that. You're not consenting to someone else doing that outside of that context. And that's completely different. Um, you know, people can have rape fantasies. And for some people who are survivors, like that is empowering and that is um, healing for them. However, the difference about BDSM versus non-consensual violence is within BDSM, you're talking, you're negotiating, you're talking about uh, boundaries, and you're having consent. And consent is always enthusiastically given. It can be withdrawn at any time. Um, and it's not a blanket consent that it, you know, something that was okay yesterday, maybe that's not okay today. So it's a constant, um, you always want to have consent from your partner in doing these things. Is it normal to, uh, or maybe normal mm. is the wrong word, mm. but is it common that um, people go back and forth between being the submissive one and mm. being the dominant one? Or is it usually mm. that you're drawn to, to one of those roles? Um, it really depends on the person. I mean, I know for some people, they were, you know, submissive, like they were a slave for 20 years and, and now they're the dominant one. Or some people go in between being submissive or dominant and they're called switches. So they go either way and they could go, um, they could be a, a like a top or bottom within a scene um, or some, you know. It, it just varies. Like I know a lot of people, uh, male, my male clients who come to see me, they're very dominant in their personal lives and, you know, with their partner, but they want to come see me because once in a while they want to feel submissive to another person. So it just really depends. I think it's fun and safe to explore and not just be stuck in like one drawer because that's what this is. This is a lot of play. This is a lot of fantasy. This is a lot of exploration and it's fun to just try different things safely and, you know, consensually. <laughs> I'm curious as we are a very international team, we come mm -hmm. from very different parts mm -hmm. of the world. And um, so for me, you know, as have Austrian in Europe, mm -hmm. sex workers are very much protected under mm -hmm. the law. It most, mm -hmm. uh, I don't even know of anything that would not be legal. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, why do you think that is so different? Um, like, do you think that um, there should be other laws? to protect women because I remember we had that um, debate years ago and I was a teenager back then in Austria and it was about how 
really um, legalizing sex work and protecting them um, ultimately protects everyone, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, coming to this country as a grown up and realizing mm -hmm. how many things are not legal, mm -hmm. it really shocked me. And mm -hmm. so I wonder from the perspective as someone that works in that industry, mm -hmm. what do you think we could do better in the United States? Well, the first thing that we need to do is absolutely get rid of this law, SESTA-FOSTA, which just went into effect about a year ago. And that is a law that was supposed to um, end like human trafficking, but basically making any kind of whether it was... Um, uh, you know, non-consensual human trafficking or consensual and oftentimes legal sex work, anything advertised online made it completely illegal. So a lot of websites dropped off, Craigslist personals dropped off, um, Backpage also went away, but it had actually had nothing to do with SESTA-FOSTA, it had to do with something else, but it, it just kind of, a lot of things went away. So that is actually doing nothing to help human trafficking because it's pushing it further underground. So it's not helping to protect the very people that it says that it wants to protect. Also, it's done things to make sex work. Some of it is illegal in the United States, such as prostitution, but also what I do in, under the BDSM realm and other sex work, like phone sex work, is very legal and it's been made more difficult to advertise. So one, we need to get rid of that. Two, um, I don't really personally fight so much for um, sex work being legalized, but I do want it to be decriminalized. Um, Mexico City just did that. New York is talking about that. That is something that is going to be helpful. Um, sex work is not going away. It is very much a part of our vibrant community, especially especially in Los Angeles with the porn industry, very much a part of what we're doing here in our economy. Um, but those two things are probably what we need to push more for. Uh, talking about porn industry, mm -hmm. um, how can someone get started that is interested in getting started in the porn industry and how can mm -hmm. they get started in a safe way to not, um, to not be connected to the wrong people? Do you have mm -hmm. any... Um, well, I can't really speak too much to the porn industry since I'm not really connected to that. People shoot at my space and, you know, I do some clips, so I don't do that. Um, I, if people were approaching me about doing professional dom work, um, which they do, I actually tell them at this point to not do it because of SESTA-FOSTA, because there isn't really a lot of viable ways for you to advertise. Also, a lot of things like social media, like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, they are shutting down people's accounts, deleting mm -hmm. them, they're shadow banning them. And so it's very difficult to um, get out there. Um, I'm very well established. I've been doing this for over 10 years. People know who I am. If my Instagram were to go away tomorrow, which we hope doesn't happen, um, you know, people would still know who I am. But if you were trying to do it as a new person, I mean, there's just really, it's just really impossible for you to do. Um, that being said, if you still wanted to do it, I, of course, would help you, you know, do safety checks and screening information, stuff like that. But it's at this point in time, it's like the people who are already well established in my industry are struggling and they're struggling because of social media, because of SESTA-FOSTA, unfortunately. Okay. So going back a little mm -hmm. bit to um, people already do a little bit of BDSM mm -hmm. without them even noticing, mm -hmm. um, we see a lot of uh, posts on Fine Sisterhood about mm -hmm. women that are curious about it, and but they don't have a lot of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, I was just wondering, uh, why do you think there is so much secrecy and sometimes shame around mm -hmm. BDSM? Um, I think because it doesn't, it's not something that gets betrayed very often. And it's like, you know, other types of sex work, it's like, 
strippers like it's very open it's very out in the open you can go to a strip club we can go to a circle we should totally go to a strip club but you know it's like very out in the open so you know you can see what a stripper does like a dominatrix like it's very hidden it's very secretive because it's like a one-to-one fantasy that like some people have never told someone else their fantasy you know some people who've told me their fantasy I'm the only person I'm like their therapist you know in the sense that like I'm the safe space to do that so and there's just a lot of um, misinformation about it, and also because it's it's just such a wide range of you know wide range of things of what BDSM is. Like, if you're seeing an escort, yes, there's companionship, there's dinner, but it's probably going to be about sex at some point. If you're going to a strip club, it's it's about the dance. It's like BDSM. Like I could name 50 different things that I do as a dominatrix, and they're all totally different. So it's a very I mean, ultimately, I think the experience is the same, but it's very different in terms of like. I could do a scene that's very painful and I could be caning someone or I could do a scene that's very like light and fun and I'm just tickling them. But where do you see that? You're not seeing that portrayed in media anywhere and no one's talking about it, even though everyone has the, everyone's into it. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, so what is the most common fantasy that you get um, from people? Uh, I hope it's financial domination. Um, you know, people do. People really have a, a wide range of things. I mean, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, uh, depending on what you're putting out there. Like as a dom, like I do a lot of corporal punishment. I do a lot of electro play. I have really nice feet, so people really love worshiping my feet. But again, it just depends. Like there are some other doms. Like I, I have another friend who's a dom, and she does a lot of very heavy medical scenes. So she's going to be doing all kinds of like heavy uh, needle play and stuff like that that I don't do so everyone's going to her for that so these kinds of things are just it's just a variety we had yeah. Betty Bondage here oh okay that's what I was talking about Betty yes! Bondage yeah oh I don't know why I didn't just say her I was like yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> isn't she this yeah she's fucking awesome yeah, yeah she's, she's awesome. so wonderful we learned so much yeah. from her oh, like, really? let's invite the next dominatrix <laughs> oh yeah so many more questions oh yes. yeah no she's great she actually just did a we did a party together BDS femme that I threw out my space and she was there and she's just really wonderful yeah she's hilarious I love her yeah well so talking about parties um how can you know people find those parties mm-hmm. and now not specifically LA our listeners mm-hmm. are all over the world right, how right, can right. they find those parties yeah. in countries where it might not be all legal but you still want to find you're curious you want to know more about it how do you enter that scene yeah there's a lot of parties happening all over the world probably more in like the bigger cities um i would check on you know places like uh fetlife or facebook you can find events there london um you know germany they have pretty good scenes and parties obviously like new york los angeles chicago um but, you know, even like smaller rural areas, there's there's still someone having a party. There's still someone doing that. You know, probably FetLife is a little bit easier because it's not always like tagging like you and your mom. <laughs> so that's like a better space to find. And then, you know, still like finding stuff on like, you know, through Instagram and, you know, just searching, um, checking your local dungeon, asking your local doms. Yeah. What's your favorite toy? <laughs> I think I my favorite toy. I don't know. I really love the Aeros Tech Box, which is a an advanced electro play, because there's just so many different things you can do with it. But I also just really love canes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what are the best toys for people that want to get it started? 
Um, yeah, again, I think it depends on what it is you want to do. Um, okay. So, but I mean, you can go like the rope that I have is literally just like, you know, from Home Depot. You can just get that off the spool. That's like a cotton poly rope. You can wash it. It's great. That's awesome. Um, I recommend um, getting some crops on Amazon. They're like about, I don't know, 10 to $12. You can get all kinds of fun shapes and stars because it's just the same thing. So those are pretty light, easy toys. Um you know things like that um but it just kind of depends on what it is you're you're looking for and wanting to explore with but those are pretty easy bondage and, and impact toys so yeah okay i guess i'm going to home depot after yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> um so one of the things that i've always wondered um if you work in the sex industry how mm. are you able to have a relationship yourself is mm. that possible Yeah, it's possible. I am always in one. <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've been with my partner for over a year now, and it's um, you know it's it's different because you're creating certain boundaries, and you know I think it's like hard sometimes when you're you know seeing your partner dressed up and like going out with somebody else and and doing that, but it's like the the time that you have with them is different. And you know, one of my friends, Stephen Elliott, said he's like, you know, people get so upset about this. It's like why? Like you know, someone else has to pay her to go hang out with her. Like you know, you're getting <laughs> oh you're getting God. like the free girlfriend. You know, but it's like. Um, Yeah, it's just depending on, like, what that relationship is and, and what that dynamic looks like. It, you know, I think it's just always important to make sure that there's time set aside for your partner. And, you know, one of the things that comes up frequently is that sometimes, like, my work is erratic. It's not, like, a nine-to-five. So sometimes I might have to cancel dates or move things around. And, like, that never feels good. So sort of what I work out with my partner is that, you know, some things are, are written in stone. They will not be changed. And other things, like, there has to be some flexibility in terms of, like, we might need to change a plan or you might need to move something in order to make things work. So, um, I have a silly question. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> Do you think that uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey movie normalized mm -hmm. a little bit more BDSM? Um, no, it's not a silly question. Um, I think that... <laughs> I think it got people like talking about it a little bit more and, and, and sort of bringing it more to the forefront and, you know, the limelight or whatever. But I mean, anyone who is sort of, you know, I think if you're like a little bit more sophisticated and you had a little bit more knowledge, like everyone like watching this just thought it was like they thought the movie was silly. You know, <laughs> like I remember like seeing it when it first came out because it came out like on Valentine's Day and it was in Los Angeles. and everyone in the theater was high, you know, and we're just all watching it as like an anti-Valentine's Day and we're just all laughing so hard because it it was silly. It wasn't real, but it's like for other people, like, you know, just saying like, oh, wait, like some of the dynamics portrayed in here are hot or interesting to me and it's like piquing my interest and now I want to explore and now I want to know more about this and, and figuring this out. So, but it was, it was like a runaway, you know, success that should have was not supposed to be it shouldn't have but like if it got the conversation and people started looking more seriously into bdsm or other exploring their fantasies then that's good hopefully it didn't encourage anyone to like be a stalker and you know control someone in in the wrong creepy kind of bad ways so yeah so the dungeons um inside do mm -hmm. they look more or less like in the movie or um one space does dungeon west it's more of like a red and black aesthetic um and it's um you know sort of very clean uh everything can kind of move around so you can create your own you know scenario or move around for production and stuff and then dungeon east is very unique because it's all white so all the furniture and all the decor is all white obviously there are some like other toys that are not white but it's a very very different space than anything else that's that exists so 
It's very pretty. <laughs> People come in, they're like, "Oh, this is just nice." You know, I want to try it. I'm definitely gonna try someday. <laughs> so I wonder for someone who um, thinks of themselves, if we now have the theory that everyone somehow likes BDSM, thinks of themselves and says, "You know what? I don't." How would you explain to them? why it gives someone else pleasure to experience or give mm -hmm. pain or what is your theory on that i mean i who knows like i don't know like i love doing this why do i love you know giving someone pain i will i will not know anymore there's no for some people i think they have like a very specific route you know it's usually involving a babysitter <laughs> you know about like their fetish about socks or something but it's like i don't know but i just know that this is a part of the you know human sexuality that there's literally like cave um you know cave paintings or cave drawings or whatever about uh, with like masochistic elements involved so like this is something that's like a part of us just as it's a part of us to you know um to to be gay or to be queer this is just not something like we made up like i mean like we might have made up like a latex fetish because like latex didn't exist like a thousand years ago <laughs> but it's like in terms but the fetish always existed so there we're always going to want to sort of worship something whether it's like a body part or like a thing like that's in us and like some people have it more than others <laughs> but like that's just not going away that's like a part of like human sexuality and a part of the human condition to to have these different kinds of things about bdsm and fantasies so you would say it is basically about worshiping something someone did um, I understand that correctly yes for I'm sorry for a fetish it would be I was just sort of making a joke that it's like I think like foot fetish has been around as long as there have been feet <laughs> but you know latex like uh, latex clothing that's like fairly new so like that's a fairly new fetish <laughs> yeah yeah but like I mean you mean fetish uh, basically means you're worshiping something or someone or a body mm -hmm. part or an item and that turns you gives you a yes. sexual pleasure. Yeah, the, the the strict like DSM definition would be like you would not be able to get off like unless you had that object, unless you had that foot or something or, you know, but that's, you know, people just enjoy this thing. Usually it's like if people have a foot fetish, it's not like the only way they can get off or something like that. But yeah. Okay, so Those it's not just like pain, giving pain, experiencing mm -hmm. pain. It's basically worshiping something, even if it's worshiping the pain. Uh, yeah. Okay. So in in, BD, in the BDSM umbrella, there are certain things like um, that are painful, like uh, corporal punishment. So that would be something that's that's painful. Um, but there's other things that would be also considered BDSM, like a fetish, like a foot fetish or a leather fetish. So, but it's just all under like the larger umbrella of BDSM. Okay, so yeah. someone saying I'm into BDSM doesn't automatically mean it has to do with pain. It could, Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay, wow. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. We learned so much yeah, again. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell our listeners where to find you, uh, everything about you, please? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. So, um, again, I am Mistress Justine Cross. You can find me at losangelesdominatrix.com. You can find me on Twitter as Justine Plays, and you can find me on Instagram as the Justine Cross. If you're in Los Angeles, again, my dungeons are Dungeon East and Dungeon West. We have classes at both of them. If 
you look up just um, Los Angeles BDSM class.com, we list all the classes there. And then particularly for women, I host an all women's play party. You do not have to be gay to attend, but you probably will be by the end. <laughs> but but um, you, uh, you know, it's called BDS Femme. So you can find that on bdsfemme.com. And the next one is at the end of August. Um, I would love to have both of you ladies there to come. You don't have to participate. You can just watch. You can just okay. hang out and like, you know, have a glass of wine and just chill. But, um, you know, that's that's where you can find me in some of the events that um, we're doing and hosting. So that is great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Uh, And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Fine Sisterhood Podcast, Unspoken Truth. And for those of you who haven't already, you can download the Fine Sisterhood app for free in the App Store and Google Play Store. And please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Bye.